What's going on? Everybody, you've got the card board coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. And I am your friendly neighborhood cartel, the sports card cartel. We've got a special guest with us today. He's got the, the word dad in his name. So I've tried to dress myself a little bit more respectably today in this onslaught of the week's podcasts, Coach Co. I think you just really wanted to wear a tight shirt, to be honest. <laughs> Dustin, the, gun, the gun show. Dustin, you how are you doing today? Very well. <laughs> Dustin, how are you doing today? For those of you who don't know, Dustin is the sports car dad on YouTube. Uh, I, I think is, you got another channel as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Um, so I started off the personal finance dad and then I switched over to the sports card dad. I was talked into that and it probably was a good idea because it was basically all sports card stuff. And I was trying to wrap in the finance talk and it was more cards than finance. So yeah, made sense. And then I did start a retro game dad as kind of a spinoff because I was, I also collect graded video games. That's just been kind of like a fun little side project. And then unfortunately, um, just didn't have time to do all of it. I thought I could pull it all off and, and I just couldn't do the second channel. So here we well, are. Well, you do have dad in your name. So you've got, you know, a kid or several kids. Um, that must be difficult, you know, but especially trying to juggle all these channels. Uh, you've got a pretty prominent one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, where it all started. Like, where did you, I mean, you said it started off as personal finance dad and, you know, you transitioned into graded video games. Where did you find your footing? Let's talk about maybe the, the YouTube channel first, and then we can talk a little bit about your just origin story in the hobby. Yeah. So getting back um, into the hobby was 2018. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the origin story part. But yeah, I got back into the hobby 2018. So I was kind of buying and selling collectibles, uh, looked at sports cards, and then was also into comic books pretty heavily too. I was having fun kind of getting into buying and selling. On the comic book side, it's kind of more like, oh, if you can guess the, the next villain coming out in the Marvel movie, then you can get ahead of that by buying the first appearance. And, you know, so there's speculation on that side. So that was, that was fun. Um, the sports cards I bought in 2018 was kind of more of like, the boring stuff that when I was a kid, I just could never afford. Like I got a Joe Montana rookie card and a Wayne Gretzky rookie card tops, um, you know, just kind of some random things. Um, and then, so what happened was, is just kind of doing my thing in 2018, 19. And then one of the, actually the catalysts for um, the YouTube channel was Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson popped up July. I would say probably June, July of, of 2019. I had not really done much on YouTube. I was actually watching just kind of like motivational videos and how to fix the toilet type videos on YouTube. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, like the sports card channel popped up and then and then other ones did too. But the one thing that I that I liked with his early content was just kind of more questions around um, you know, different types of cards, different sort of hobby topics that I just wasn't seeing anywhere else. And so I was watching his, it was a weekly um channel or a weekly show that he was doing that I also found like PSA collector was was on there and he was doing kind of like top 10 Patrick Mahomes cards and it was like that's interesting um you know so started to find more and more of these channels um but a lot of them were you know kind of very niche and a lot of them were vintage baseball card channels which I wasn't really as much into baseball cards and so started to see more of like basketball cards football cards and that sort of thing and so 
as we kind of reached the end of 2019, I was telling my wife, I'm like, I re- would really like to try to do this at some point, but I don't have any sort of TV broadcasting, more of an introvert really than anything. I'm not the life of the party extrovert guy. So I was like, I don't know, maybe, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do this, whatever, uh, but was talking about it for a couple of months. Then the pandemic hit as we got into March. And then it was like, you know, we're all, we're all kind of at home working remotely. And it's like, if I'm going to do it, I should just do it now. I think there, and then coupled with this, I joke, it's like my midlife crisis started in like, you know, 2016, 17, 18, I'm 41 now. So this is all part of that midlife crisis thing. And so that's what kind of got me started, you know, on, onto the YouTube train, uh, March of 2020. Looks like a pretty good midlife crisis, if you ask me. <laughs> I always tell her, yeah, it could be worse. I could have, you know, gotten bad into drugs and bought a motorcycle or whatever, had five girlfriends or something. But no, I got into sports cards and collectibles. <laughs> That's awesome. So what would what what's the sports card category that you say that you would say that you collect the most right now? Or just maybe period? It's definitely evolved over time for sure. Um, my my PC guy is Drew Brees. I'm a diehard New Orleans Saints fan. I'm a season nice. ticket holder. We were talking a little bit about that before it came on. But um, so I do have a Drew Brees PC, but I'm also the one thing I'm not shy about talking about on my channel is, is I do care about future value. I know I can't guess future value. You know, I don't know what it'll be, but I'm not necessarily just buying any Drew Brees card. I'm trying to be strategic into what are the ones I really like the most? There's a lot of, frankly, there's a lot of cool Drew Brees cards. So I'm trying to research and do as much, you kind of research, learn from, from other hobbyists, other Drew Brees collectors, what's rare, what's not so rare, price points, what's a good deal, what's not. So Drew Brees is my main PC, but I collect a ton of probably, I would call them Hall of Fame autograph type stuff. I've got, and I'm just looking at my desk. I've got, you know, Nolan Ryan, On Card Auto, Joe Namath, um, Marshall Falk, you know, so I would say that's a lot of my collection as well. Um, I also collect Tom Brady quite a bit. So Drew Brees is my my PC, the guy that I like. The Tom Brady's kind of more of the, he's the undisputed football goat. Yeah. And in a lot of sports, you don't really have an undisputed goat. You know, you have a lot of controversy, I guess in hockey, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne but Gretzky hockey, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have that. But, you know, in baseball, who's the goat? I don't know. Depends on the era. You know, basketball, who's the GOAT? A lot will say Jordan, some will say LeBron, some say Kareem or whatever. Um, you know, so I I, tr- I just stick with Tom Brady because I just know I, I kind of look at Tom Brady right now as like Michael Jordan in 1998 when he was like wrapping it up with the Wizards. And you know, he's not appreciated. He's appreciated, but he's really going to be appreciated, in my opinion, kind of 10, 15, 20 years down the road when there's still not another quarterback that has seven rings and there's still not another guy that's broke the yards record or whatever, you know. So um, and then I'm also into my kind of my non-sports culture cards, Stranger Things. Nice. I'm going off. I the love, I love Stranger yeah. Things. It's funny. I recently got into the show. I'm hooked. Okay, so the one thing that I like about Stranger Things is I can get the most rare stuff, like the numbered autos for like the cost of a cheap Kobe Bryant autograph. You know, like $1,000 goes a very long way in Stranger Things, whereas like in football cards, it's like it's just another random Tom Brady card or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I love the fact, uh, Dustin, that you're, you know, you're you're a part of the the card community, but uh, like myself, you're often talking about other collectibles and um, other collecting markets. 
which I think kind of has a, has a good value to it in terms of uh, having perspective when you, when you kind of dabble in all the, in all the little markets. I got VHS tapes behind me. I got action figures, comic books I've been into uh, as well myself. But getting to the, the actual, the, the channel uh, of yours, which is incredibly successful, and uh, I love the way I, I, I love the way you present things, and uh, your your voice and your confidence when you're when you're uh, putting out your videos. I will admit, um, I'm kind of rediscovering your channel because back in you know 2020, back during the start of uh, I keep referring it referring to it as the lockdown era because that's what was happening here in our country. Um, uh, definitely noticed that there were a lot of channels out there, uh, a sports card investor among them, um, that was coming out with card content, which was pretty wild at the time for someone who was already in the hobby, like myself, that was kind of interesting to see. And anytime you can have other people talking about cards, kind of like you're replicating what we lost, uh, by not being able to go to the local card store or to shows and, and gatherings. But the, the, you know, the, the, the issue for me was I was kind of, everything was kind of coming together as a package, you know, sports card, dad, sports card investor, a lot of these other channels, I kind of, uh, you know, in, in, in a way lumped everything together, although there was, you know, unique things going on with each sort of element of, of content. Um, when it started coming to, to, to the issue of speculation, I'll call it to be diplomatic uh, on some channels like SCI, that was a little less interesting for me. I, I understand why it was interesting for newcomers to the hobby, uh, people that were returning to the hobby. At that point, <clears throat> given that there was so much content out there, uh, how did you see Sports Card Dad kind of progressing? What did you want to do with the channel that would kind of make it stand out when there were so many channels? And they're all very successful now. You guys are all with very high subscription counts. What, what did you kind of want to craft to kind of separate yourself from the pack, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, one big thing that I wanted to do from the start, understanding that there are a lot of longtime hobbyists, um, you know, like you guys and others, you know, I didn't want to come across as the sports card expert, you know, and I was very careful from the very start to really just document my journey. And that's the way that I always positioned it. Even when I was saying like, hey, I'm, I'm looking at getting into XYZ player card, whatever. I would always say like, I could be completely wrong on this. This could be, you know, like, don't go buy these cards, um, you know, because when we look at kind of the content going back to 2020, there was kind of a lot of the specking on certain players yeah. and that was, that was popular. And you kind of see it has evolved over time. It's very interesting looking at card content starting from like 2019 up till today. But to differentiate, I just wanted to be myself, number one, and that I'm not some, um, I don't want to, I think everybody has an ego, but. I'm fairly, I would say, introverted and try to be modest. And I'm like, look, I'm not an expert in this. And I and I'd never want to come across as one. And I don't want to come across as the guy that's like, you've tuned in here to find out who to buy. Yeah. Like that, that's not what my goal ever was from the start. And even like a lot of like the, the news style content, I really started that going back to, to the beginning of my channel. A lot of just hobby topics around companies or stuff that happens in the news. So the the diff and there wasn't a lot of that back then. There is a lot of that now, and yeah. so that was another another I guess something that was a little bit different. You know what what's the spin I could put on it that's that we're not really seeing elsewhere. And I was seeing other channels that would talk about a certain topic, but maybe didn't touch on a couple of other points. And so and you see that today too. 
I get sometimes like, oh, you're a parrot. You're copying this channel or that channel. But what I try to do is just, you know, look, the, we're in a very niche hobby. There's not a thousand different news items yeah. every day, you know, so we are going to cover similar things. But I just try to put my own little twist on it. And then my bread and butter is really kind of a six to 12 minute video, you know, so and, and I'm really kind of I'm, I'm looking at bigger picture. I'm not necessarily grinding into the details and putting out a 40 minute video on that. So a lot of people will come to me and say like, oh, you know, you should have gotten into this or that or whatever. But I'm really just my goal is just to like bring your attention to this, throw in my two cents on it, but go do more research, listen to 10 other channels and come up with your own ideas as to what you think about it. So I think that it's an amazing thing to, I mean, kind of end off with actually. And it's something that, you know, we, we talked about on the Luca Tiger LeBron uh, channel yesterday. And, and then that's making sure that, you know, wherever you get your hobby content from, that there are like multiple sources, um, you know, not just because, I mean, everyone has a different way of spinning information, which, you know, we've just talked about, but you want that differing opinion. You want, uh, everyone has a different knowledge base. Everyone has a different experience in and out of the hobby. Um, and the more voices that you hear, the more, I think the closer you get to actually discovering, you know, what your voice is and what your thoughts and opinions are, um, in this space. And on that note, Co. too, I mean, the one thing I've learned is there are a lot of longtime hobbyists, but the majority of them kind of have their lane. You know, they might have been collecting, but they've got 30 years in baseball cards, but they don't know anything about hockey cards. You know, so it's very difficult to find someone that just has this vast, you know, knowledge of all sports cards. It's really not possible, I don't think, which makes it even more important to to what you're saying is, is just gather, gather information from a variety of different people. You can take so much. And just because somebody has you know, along a lot of experience, it might be in one thing. It might, it might not be in the thing you're interested in, you know, I mean, so you glean kind of some things there, but you know, there's, there's uh, you just got to keep that in mind. Well, something I appreciated in, uh, in rediscovering your channel and, and going over uh, uh, a few, uh, a few episodes there, Dustin, I, I appreciated the take on collecting because right now, as you know, a big part of content is getting back to collecting in the midst of what some people will describe as, you know, a bit of a collapse of the investment mindset. And you put it out there that, hey, let's not forget that collector is not necessarily synonymous with good guy in the hobby or, or best person in the hobby, which I thought was a fresh take because there's so much of that kind of patting on the back going on. And you're like, hey, you know what? There are jerks in every segment of the hobby in terms of how they're behaving or how they're they're putting across communication. So that that's actually a perfect example of having a variety of takes um, when it comes to something that's being pop. That's something that's popping up on uh, on kind of all the levels of content at this point. I also loved the clip of the old uh, Fleer Ultra commercial that blew my mind. <laughs> we're we're of the same generation, and that was just like a that was like a, like an acid flashback that you hadn't had in your mind for so long. And there it was that, that, that blew me away. I really, uh, I really appreciated that actually. Um, cool. Yeah. That, 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 that works well in terms of getting to that point that, that we have to have uh, all these different voices providing all these different takes. And of course, the more time now that you've had the channel running for so long, I would imagine um it's, it's probably in terms of the process of creating content, like, is that becoming easier for you? You wake up one day, you're like, 
I know that I've got this take that I haven't been seeing a lot of. I'm going to present that. Is that now an easier process for you? Yeah, I think just because I spend so much time either looking at cards on eBay or just kind of operating in it that, yeah, you kind of, well, and also watching other hobby content too. So there might be something I haven't thought of. I'm watching you guys, I'm watching somebody else and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I agree with this. I don't really agree with that part, but here's maybe how I can throw a spin on it. Um, you know, so I think between just like thinking of stuff in the shower, you know, or hearing other people talking about stuff. Yeah. And, and it's a lot of times I have a notebook where I just write down titles of stuff, you know, just five, you know, just as I think of something and then I'll go back to it. I have it kind of down to a science now. And again, I don't have high production. It's literally in my office uh, where I do my, <laughs> where I do my stuff. So, you know, it's not a high production setup, but it's literally kind of 90 minutes start to finish as far as, you know, thinking of the topic. I put a few bullet points down as to what I want to talk about. I make kind of that that quick video. I'll have to pull kind of pictures and things that I'm going to use, of course, you know, in the video. But I have it down to a science now to where it's maybe, you know, I would say 90 minutes on average is start to finish. So, you know, I have four, like we said, I've got four kids. So I wish I could put in hours and hours of, you know, time into everything. But I've also just kind of picked my lane and just trying to do the best I can with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Right let's um let's segue into the like your hobby origin story like where does it start for you where does uh you know does, were you collecting as a kid do you have any fond memories of collecting or was it just like 2018 you're like you know what i'm gonna get into a midlife crisis i'm gonna get into football card collecting no i am a nostalgia i have a problem with it actually i probably need to go see a therapist or something to be honest because i mean i have yes if, yeah <laughs> I mean, we were talking about, I'm just looking around. I've got graded video games. I've got a He-Man figure uh, that's up here. One of the original He-Man figures from like 83 starting lineups. I've got Ninja Turtle action figures from 1987, the series one. Um, so yeah, it started for me. I was born in 81. So actually, so born in Germany, my dad was in the air force. We moved to England, lived in England for five years. And then when I was six and a half, seven, we moved to Panama city, Florida. That's where Tyndall air force base is. So that's where he was stationed. And then from seven to 12, maybe like seven to 13, that's when that that's when we were in Florida in that in that kind of that time period. And that is really kind of when everything I'm doing today, it was born out of that time. You know, it was um, we went fishing on Saturday mornings. I'd grab a couple packs of baseball cards. We'd grab a soda and everything, go fishing. Um, so a lot of kind of my great childhood memories are during that time. My parents got divorced when I was 11. So I think also that that's a big part of this as well. Th this is kind of the the happy time during like a stressful, traumatic time. And so when I think back to my childhood, I probably just zero in on the things that were awesome. And it's all this stuff that we're talking about now. So, you know, baseball cards, uh, Started with baseball cards, but then really it was 89 pro set football came out and you had like Barry Sanders and Troy Aikman and Deion Sanders rookies. Emmett Smith came out in 90. And then you had like 89 hoops had David Robinson rookie cards. These were, and you know, and they ran like, this was again, like card boom, the last card boom before 2020, probably, you know, every shopping mall in America had a card show in it, like every three weeks. And there'd be like tables everywhere. So it was everywhere. It was mainstream. Like it was actually kind of strange if you didn't collect cards in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, so that's where it was, it was born out of that. Um, I was thinking back too, cause I always tell the story I got back in 18, but I actually briefly, briefly got back in in 2006 
when Reggie Bush was drafted by the Saints and and Breeze came over. I actually did buy a few Reggie Bush cards in 2006 just for fun, but it was such a, like a spec, you know, it's not like I was in it, in it. Yeah. Uh, You know, so I don't really, I don't bring it up because it's not like I was really back in for any extended period of time. It was just like one guy got drafted and I looked into it, but it was like the, it was like the, the, the the catalyst though. You know what I mean? It was like the, like, it's still there. Like, let's, let's go back here and see how this feels. But even then to 2006, I didn't even notice there was graded cards. I think that was really kind of, I, I understand that PSA, SGC, a lot of those companies started early nineties, but I can tell you when I, I mean, I don't remember seeing any graded cards in the nineties going now, maybe in the late nineties, I was out of it at that point, but it was not a thing. It was definitely not a thing. Um, you know, early two thousands, I don't think it was either. So it's a fairly new phenomenon, graded cards, but anyway, just getting off, off topic here. So, you know, that's how I started out. And then in 2018, um, actually 2016 summertime, Stranger Things comes out. I kind of look at that as kind of the beginning of the midlife crisis nostalgia stuff, because that was like an 80s based show. Yeah. That just reminded me of like, you know, 80s scary movies. Like I've got a Friday the 13th poster, movie poster signed, you know, so it kind of brought me back a little bit. That's what kind of jolted me uh, to to some of the the nostalgic stuff. And so Stranger Things kind of started that obviously like didn't the cards came out in 2018. I missed all of that, but that kind of got the got the ball rolling as far as thinking about all that stuff. And then 2018, early 2018 is when I actually started making purchases and stuff. Got me back in. Coach Coach probably uh, in in listening to all that, Dustin Coach (laughs) was probably like, I feel like that's a portion of uh, sports card cartels origin story. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I'm like, man, you guys, you share very similar origin stories. You guys both have. Yeah, like wild posters framed behind you. You know, I'm like, this is uh, this is fun. Yeah. So, you know, Dustin and I came up like, look, we're in the same generation. We came up in a pretty magical time. I'm not you know, I'm, yeah. I might have we we might have some bias, but I mean, like he he, he mentioned some of those key cards, and even though I was in the, in the realm of hockey. Believe me, I was aware of the David Robinson rookie. I was aware of other sports, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry yeah. Sanders. And, and that was all going on at that time. And that was really magical. I'm getting somewhere with this uh, reminiscing, by the way, Dustin. But and it's it's funny you mentioned the slabs. Um, You know, when I had my little break and I came back to the hobby closer to 2000 after a little bit of a break, um when i was spending some time uh i was spending more time at, at school and that sort of thing but um i remember i i was doing two things so the first thing was uh, i was buying slabs from it's a long story for another day maybe but i was buying slabs from keith olberman on ebay in oh, the wow. early 2000s and yeah you didn't you definitely didn't see them at shows or stores very often it was a much more um it was a mysterious kind of high level thing that i was dabbling in and I remember I bought an expensive pack of basketball cards at a yard sale just on a whim. And I pulled the Steve Francis SPX autograph, which at the time was oh, a yeah. huge deal. Like I literally had a circle of people jumping up and down around me. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> um, so, you know, given we were so lucky growing up in that era. Now, of course, the personal connections are personal. They are powerful. I, I, I love everything about that story that you mentioned, because it's something I talk a lot about is just how powerful those connections are how cards bring comfort and and joy and we can always dip back into that at any point in our lives and we have been that's what we're doing right now but uh this is something that came up in our in our chat with the luca boys at luca nation and and i want to get your perspective on it 
here we are sitting in 2022 going into 2023. There's people re-entering the hobby. There's people entering the hobby every day. Are they going to have the same experience? Are they going to feel the same way about the Prism rookie cards? I mean, there are some big players that, I mean, in baseball, <clears throat> 2018 till now, there's been a, a, a huge amount of awesome rookie classes. Um, but are they, are they going to have that the same? I mean, obviously, they can't have the same experience, but are they going to have a similar experience? How do you feel about what their experience is going to be as opposed to mine and yours in the 80s and 90s? Yeah, the one kind of... I guess the wonder that I do have is I just wonder if you know, a lot of people laugh at NFTs and, and the digital space, but I mm. really look at that as being the biggest threat to what we do with, with this stuff, with the physical stuff. Now it very well could just kind of live alongside it and it very well could just be a small part, but I also, you know, I, I watch people playing Fortnite and they're buying skins and they're doing a lot of stuff digitally. Whereas, you know, I wasn't, I, I played video games and like you did probably super Mario brothers, but it wasn't quite the same. We are, we're definitely moving into more of a digital world, even Panini and tops. They're all doing digital stuff, which right now right. it's laughed at and it's like, Oh, that's so dumb. But in 20 years, that might be the dominant, that might be the, what, what actually, you know, the, the folks are getting back into. But I, I guess I'm kind of more optimistic along the like it's going to cycle back again. I, I do think that the one thing that 2020 did, it's kind of like this crazy boom, like, you know, everyone's like, it'll never happen again. And it might not ever happen again. But I do think that that whole nostalgia thing, just seeing all the young people at shows, I went to the national the last two years. And, and granted, I hadn't been to a national before this, so I, I can't compare it. But even just my my local show here three years ago, I, I went, it was completely, it was, it was a, it was nothing. It was completely dead, you know, and a third of the building was being used. Now it's jam packed. And that's even after we've been correcting for 18 months, you know, as far as the market goes, you know, so I do think, and maybe it's just the optimist in me that there will be another nostalgia run where in 20 years, maybe it's 25, maybe it's 30, who, you know, I don't know exactly that time period, but I think there's enough young people in it that, that got in over the last few years with their dads or their moms or whatever that will come back to it. They'll have their midlife crisis, as we joke about. Um, but again, I'm being optimistic, though. And, you know, who knows? I think it's really interesting that the I mean, 89, you know, 89 Upper Deck Griffey, for instance, like PSA just posted something yesterday saying that it was the most graded card in 2022. You know, so like this is what, 30 years later and, and a card that's considered to be junk wax. Um, and, you know, there's still a demand for it. There's still a pretty yeah. considerable demand for it. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had you know, regardless of value, like dollar wise, uh, the, the, the intrinsic value of, of those cards, I mean, live forever, you know? So, um, it really depends on, I guess, one's experience in the last, I don't know, 48 months or, you know, 36 months or whatever, the, whatever that was for them um, that I think will probably dictate what that looks like when there is eventually a cycle back. And and I also would agree that I think it's um, that was a perfect storm. And I don't, I don't know if it ever gets back to those heights. Um, and if it does, it's not going to be for quite some time. And I've had a handful of video comments this week, too, of people and it kind of surprised me a little bit, but people that are brand new into the hobby, they're brand new or back into it because you always hear about everybody left. Everybody's gone now. And but there are still people that, that are getting in. And then there, there, it's also there's levels to it, too. Like what you just said, 
maybe someone being in the hobby is just getting kind of like an 89 upper deck Griffey graded and and Barry Bonds or whatever. Maybe they got a handful of players. They're not necessarily spending huge monthly dollars, but they're interested, you know, in, in this space, you know, for, for specific things, but they're not, you know, they're, they're not totally gung ho and that's fine. You know, everyone's got kind of their, there's levels to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of the key things because I mean, like you know, the, the the cardboard coaches will each tell you that the 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 sport card expo here in Toronto just gets bigger and better. Um, obviously, it's there's more people, but maybe not the same type of individual, maybe not the same type of mindset. But there's still a huge amount of popularity, curiosity, uh, a lot of action going on. Now, let me cut to the quick here, Dustin, and and uh, and toss this at you. Obviously, one of the one of the things that's going on in the hobby, particularly if you're in the social media world and social media circles, is the attraction to the controversy. I think it's like a holdover from the peaks in 21 and 22. Um, this fascination with the drama. And, you know, we, we were born of that to a degree and in, in creating some pushback content found myself in some situations, if you're not commenting on every single scenario, sometimes if you don't comment on a scenario, you're accused of being complicit via silence. Um, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're a name in the community. Um, I'm sure you feel some degree of responsibility in terms of at least putting an opinion out potentially, I don't know. But how do you feel about all this controversial content, especially what's going on uh, right now with the discussions about loans and uh, the the search for card porn. Uh, again, I still don't know what the, the goal is there. They're going to drag him out and toss him over the bridge. I'm not sure. Uh, how do you feel about all that kind of stuff? Do you try to just avoid it or dip um, the toe in yeah. the water? I've, I've always thought, well, it's funny because I've been accused of both sides of it where it's like you're you're way too positive, you're, you're really naive. And then I've also accused on the other side of you're way too negative. You're just trying to get clicks with these ne with, with negative titles. And I think that that's how I know I'm doing it right because <laughs> I'm hearing from both I'm hearing from both sides yeah. you know, to where it's like, you know, they can't make up their mind. But I think that that's how you properly do it, because then at least, you know, you know that um I mean, when I go to bed at night, I know that I'm talking about a variety of different subjects. And granted, I might not hit on every controversy or I might not hit on every positive news story or whatever it is, but I try to do my best to be as balanced as I can with it. Because on the one hand, I mean, I would be disingenuous if I was saying I don't think that cards have long-term potential from a value standpoint. Do I do I think it's like 10x into the moon and crypto type returns and all that? No, I, I'm not. I'm looking at it more of a store of value that hopefully over time appreciates and maybe it's a couple percent a year, whatever it is. Hell, even if it just holds value, yeah. you know, like we had talked about, I've got four kids and a wife. If I'm gone tomorrow, I just want them to be able to go and say, okay, like, is this all this cardboard worthless? Or, you know, was there some sort of thought that was put into this? You know, so it's at least something you know, that's, that's going back to them. Um, but yeah, so I think to, to try to answer your question, Cartel, is I, I try to touch on those subjects and look, I, I'm not necessarily, you know, it's not hard hitting, you know, type stuff mostly, but I do think that it's important for, especially if it's a new person that's coming in, like I said, people commenting, Hey, I just got back in. I also, as you mentioned, I think there's a responsibility that people understand what show bidding is, that they understand the risks involved in this because 
a lot of it is is speculation and, and there's an element of sports betting to it if, if you're trying to make money if you're trying to flip so i i would be remiss if i wasn't at least talking about hey look you know some of these sales are not accurate some of this stuff isn't you, you need to pay attention to these things yeah it would be irresponsible i think and so i've, I've tried over time to and honestly kind of documenting my journey along the way. I've learned along the way too. I'm not going to pretend like I knew all about shill bidding in 2018, 19 and 20. I've kind of learned as I've, as I've went, you know, and then that's making videos as well. So, um, you know, hearing from you guys, hearing from other people, blow out forums, reading different stories and learning as I go. So yeah, I'm trying to do my best to kind of, I guess, work both sides of that and make sure I'm, I'm doing well, um, you know, to report on both. I think no matter what, people are going to be like displeased with you if you have a voice, to be honest, because I think people, they they go into, you know, watching a video or reading something with a certain headspace. Uh, I mean, like I've been accused multiple times of like only producing negative content. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true, because I'm also like I, I lift people up with some of my my posts and I talk a lot about like I feature big hits from, you know, Walmart blasters from like someone in their in their car, you know, $20 rip ends up being like $5,000, something crazy along those lines. Um, and, and, and yet still, you know, you get those comments like, Oh, you're always negative or like the stuff that you're saying is ruining the hobby or, you know, and th that's usually a telltale sign that that person, um, probably has too much money invested in, 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 and I say invested very loosely, um, but into their collection or into, you know, maybe, um, a type of card or a, a, a specific player or something along those lines where, you know, they're what they can, what they're capable of handling is like the, the bandwidth is not really there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, and probably something that happened about five years ago, including with my own parents, it's like, I'm, you know, I don't need to get everybody's approval. Yeah. I don't need my parents' approval. I don't need my friends' approval. I, if I believe that what I'm doing is right and I'm doing the best that I can, then that's good enough. But it took a long time for me to get to that point. I was probably 35, 36, you know, so, but there's a lot of people that that aren't that way. Um, and, and it's not that I don't care about what viewers have to say, but then I also have to wonder too, like, are they leaving this comment because they actually care about what they're saying? Or is it simply just to get a reaction? Is it simply just to like stir up, stir it up just for the fun of it? And if people have kind of well thought out questions or pushback, I don't mind debating. I actually enjoy debating and I, and I can learn a lot from someone that maybe they come at me and say, Hey dude, I've been buying sealed product for 20 years and that's not how to do it. Or this is how I do it. And maybe they're right, you know, so I mean, I don't mind pushback at all. Like I said, I'm on my journey and learning um, and I'm just sharing kind of the way that I see it and and what, again, like I'm not positioning myself to be an expert, but I know a few things. I mean, we're not doing like, you know, this isn't like brain surgery that we're yeah. doing here, yeah, yeah. you know, so I'll share what, what I do pick up along the way, but I'm always willing to hear opposing opinions too. Are, are the kids getting into, are you getting the kids into collecting as well? <laughs> so my I've got two boys and two girls, my my oldest, they like so I, I just picked up a couple of Steve Harrington Stranger Things autographs. Those are their favorite cards. Actually, the cards that they've got, I got them two. They, they, they also each have Millie uh, Bobby Brown autograph cards. And those are like my one is heading off to college here in 
10 days. She's going on campus and that's one of the cards she's bringing with her uh, on campus. So that's kind of cool. Um, none of them are big into cards. My youngest, uh, who's autistic, uh, he is in a Pokemon cards, huge. So Pokemon in general, but he's really the only card collector. So he goes with me, my seven-year-old goes with me to our local shows. And, and he always pick he picks out like 20 Pokemon cards and he's thrilled. And you know, that that's that. So out of, out of the four of them, my oldest son is interested, but in part, I think just because I, I do YouTube and, and, and he also sees that like, you know, I mean, he likes the stuff, but he's just not, you know, he, I think he just enjoys it more because his dad's into it, not yeah. necessarily because, you know, he's into it. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what happens with, with, uh, with the kids. That's awesome. I, I asked because it's, it's, it's such an interesting atmosphere for, uh, particularly parents that have come back to the hobby as well. It's an interesting atmosphere because you, you kind of watch the kids and how they're, integrating into the hobby and there's always that element of wonder and curiosity it's so important anyway but you do see a lot of these very young kids start starting to take on some of these behaviors of of the mainstream and getting into flipping and talking fast and being little salespeople. and well, i've and always it, everybody gets so worked up as if that's some like new phenomenon yeah. and really like oh, no, no. If, yeah. if you want to, if you want to be mad about that then be mad at, at jim beckett because Beckett Magazine is what started that whole trend. You know, I mean, like, we were, oh, for sure, we were little, we were little wheeler dealers ourselves. Yeah, I, I just, I just feel it's a little, it's, it's a little more pronounced uh, as of late. Yeah. That, that's what I've noticed. Um, well, the, and the, I would imagine crazy, that's a tough, crazy like, thing. That's something you'd have to regulate as a parent, right? Well, and the crazy thing is just, well, and I can't speak for, for you cartel, but for me, it was like wheeling and dealing like dollar cards and 50 cent cards as a kid. These kids have like $10,000. Yeah. I, I think yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. I don't know. My kids have, haven't really just caught on to that part yet. We'll see if that, if that changes over time. Um, I think that'd be a fun thing to do with my sons. If that kind of evolves into something, not, not that my, I, I do it with my daughters too, but I just don't see them getting into it in the same way that, that my sons have, have kind of like looked at it. So we'll see. Oh, here, here in Canada, you know, when I acquired my first Brett Hall rookie card, that's it. I was ready to set up shop. I was uh, uh, carrying around a briefcase, uh, put on a, a suit. It was, you know, that, that was like a the transformation, right? Um, became a mob boss. You became the cartel. I became I, the, the <laughs> moment I got my first Brett Hall card. The sports card cartel was was born. Um, is it true that Sasha Baron Cohen is playing Mephisto, Dustin? What's going on here? Is that is that a thing? He's playing Mephisto. Is that that was the rumor I I, I was reading about? Oh. Mephisto was a I I loved Mephisto when I when I was younger. Yeah, that one uh, the first appearance. He's I can't remember what this is. It Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. Four? I've got that's, that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great book. It's either three or four, but it's got like that great cover. Um, yeah, that's I I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to how uh, how is the comic book like? Because here's the thing, right? Like I I was huge on comic books, and then you know I did the weird thing where I got out of it when everyone got into it because of the movies. Um, and, you know, I just kind of was so deep in the cards at that point, but I always check in and, and I, you know, I went through my collection, I'm like, Holy cow, my collection has like 10, 10 plus in value. Um, but, you know, with, given that some of the movies didn't do so great, some of them are doing fantastically. Um, what's, what's going on with the comic book market? Is it, are there similarities to the card market or is so it soft? 
the one thing I've noticed, and again, I think there's maybe like YouTubers and influencers that are that are trying to build up like mini key books. So you have the major keys, obviously, where it's like Hulk 181, first appearance of Wolverine. You got giant X-Men one, you know, X-Men one, all, all the like AF 15, all the stuff you would hear. The one thing I think is funny is when they're doing kind of their top tens on the comic book side, it's the same damn books. Like it's not, there's not that many. And I think that's, what's different from sports cards is you have a, an athlete that has a zillion different cards. Granted, if you go to vintage, they've got one rookie card, but then you've got, you know, different levels of of condition everything i really just focus mainly on silver age and golden age type stuff i'm more of like the vintage comic book collector but on the modern side i think people have done a lot and, and also honestly on the on the video game side as well you have people buy like um, a, a new game they get it graded and they flip it you know um so kind of kind of similar to sports Does that happen or, um or comic book. Yeah, game? yeah with new games like a brand new game yeah, like a brand new game. Now, granted, what? I don't, I don't think that market. We're going back, kind of go back to the boom time. Yeah. Know? So that's when that was. I, I never did any of that, but nothing wrong with it, obviously. But during the boom time, that was a thing. It's probably cooled off wow. in a similar way that comic books now they do variant covers. You know, so it's like, you know, they come out with I don't know X Men One version a thousand, whatever that is. But then there's like twenty five different variant covers, and they and that's short printed. You know, and then it goes out to certain comic book shops. They get graded. The one thing in comic books is you've got it's like CGC is PSA essentially, and there's I think there's CBCS, which is I think the Beckett version, but yep. it's not it's not as if you've got. I, I feel great in in cards that we have really four strong grading companies. I I feel anyway. You know, you have four grading companies that are adequate at grading cards. And we have ninety seven other ones. Yeah, and then you've got a bunch of other ones that that all offer their own things. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, comics is interesting to me because there, there there's always so much talk about this, that, or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, there's just not a lot of really key important books. You know, I mean, when it, when you really boil it down, yeah, it seems like they're pushing a lot of like very obscure, uh, you know, Bronze Age first appearances that that just wind yeah. up getting mocked months later. Yeah. There's, there's, a ter there's a term for it now. Now I'm forgetting it, but there's a term for these books that they hype up. And I mean, FOMO is obviously one of them, but uh, there's another term for these books specifically. I can't remember, but, uh, but yeah, obviously it's been interesting to see how things, I mean, I'm yeah. sure as, as, as I mentioned, you're dabbling in all these different collectible markets. I'm sure it's been interesting to see them develop through this quote unquote boom time and what those markets are doing to kind of secure themselves at this point as best that they can, whether it's video games, whether it's, and I'm I, like I mentioned, I'm dabbling in everything. I mean, there's there's a VHS market. Beckett purchased yep. a VHS grading company. Um, so it's been interesting to see how that hashes out. Uh, maybe that's a that's a good way to lead into uh, Dustin. What what how, what are your thoughts on what we are going to see in the near future? Let's even talk about 2023. What would you like to see? What do you think we're going to see when it when it comes to the uh, the wild ride we've been on, particularly when it comes to the you know, the evaluation market. Um, where do you think we're going from here? Well, I think the one thing that the there was folks that were talking about it, Wall Street banks were talking about it going back a year is the you, the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates. And a lot of kind of what we've seen in the U.S. is we've just had historically low interest rates for a long time, going all the way back to subprime mortgage crisis 2008. 
and really that just kind of props up our economy. It props up assets to a certain degree. And then, and then when you, of course, factor in all the stimulus that came out over the last few years, you have extremely, you have like historically low interest rates, you have stimulus money going out everywhere. I think that played really kind of the, the largest part of, of the boom. Granted, a lot of demand and midlife crisis folks like us, it was a perfect storm. But I think that the, the one thing that I guess I'm a little surprised by is that the Federal Reserve stuck by what they said, kind of, because if you go back a year, they actually said, hey, we're going to raise rates substantially. But it was kind of like, yeah, right. We'll see if they actually end up doing that political pressures and this and that. Nope, they did it and they're going to continue to do it. And when, what and, and if and you probably remember this, go back a year, go back 12 months. Bitcoin's a new currency, you know, like crypto is a new currency. The dollar's worth nothing. The dollar is garbage. You know, uh, cash is trash. You heard cash is trash. Yeah. yeah. Buy now, assets, you know. Yeah. Buy assets. Yeah. Well, now it's the it's flipped on its head. Cash is king. Now cash is king. So when cash is king, you know, what does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, prices on a lot of the, I think the collectible stuff will continue to kind of move downward into 2023. I don't, you know, again, like nobody knows, obviously, like specifically which ones will go up and down and all that. And then there's also speculation that the Fed is going to slow down raising rates. So, and it could very well be that the markets react to that. Oh, they're done raising rates. So we're all good. We're, we're back, you know, get money back into collectibles. Who knows? Um, but for, for me personally, I, I think that 2023 and probably parts of 2024 are going to be kind of stagnation slash, you know, price dropping um, on, on collectible style stuff, just kind of more of a, a correction. So I think that, look, I think for people like us, um, you know, there's certain kind of key comic books, there's key cards, there's certain things that maybe we haven't seen price points in a while that come back down to, you know, where you want to be. But again, I also think too, is are you short-term flipping? Are you long-term holding? Because, you know, we talked about ComC and some of these platforms, you can get in and out of stuff very easily, short-term yeah. flips, and that's kind of a fun part of the game, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think that I think finding a balance, I'm going to try to do more of a balance of that, um, you know, in 2023, trying to take advantage of some of the just some of the short term flip style stuff, because there's such an element of like, oh, flipping's dead and all the flippers are gone. And that's just not really the case from what I've seen. You see people all over YouTubers talking about how, hey, I bought a card for two dollars. I sold it for three fifty. I bought a card for, you know, it doesn't need to be a thousand dollars slab. You know, it can be. Yeah, I, think, I think what you're saying, and and Com C in particular, I think you're 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 speaking to the fact that if there is this concept that collecting is on the rise, so to speak, uh, quote unquote yeah. collecting, that plays perfectly into what you're talking about because you're going to have that market of collectors that need those cards that maybe weren't around or or put to the forefront, but you can easily flip those cards because there will be this base of collectors waiting to grab them um, that will need them for their their collections, right? Um, can we sell you on hockey, Dustin? Can we uh, sell you on some Connor McDavid and uh, uh, the the Toronto Maple Leafs? They're having a great year. Is that I something know. that that is getting discussed these days? Are, are people maybe looking at some of the markets like uh, like Cage was talking about UFC cards? How do you feel about hockey and some of those other niche markets? I know I need to do a better job. I actually I bought. I think I told you in 2018 I bought a Topps Wayne Gretzky rookie card. It was an SGC 6.5 in the old label, and I didn't know anything about graded cards. I bought it for like 180 dollars, and I sold it for I think like five or six hundred dollars. And I was like, man, I, I like I can't believe I made that much money on a card. And now I'm like, damn it, I wish I'd never sold it in the first place. Yeah, you know so. 
I think that that was kind of the lesson too. I bought a lot of kind of the the vintage stuff that you're supposed to buy. And then I ended up selling, like I bought like a Julius Irving rookie card and, and a six and sold it because I doubled my money. But those are the wrong cards to double your money on. Those are the <laughs> ones to hold, you know? Um, you know, but yeah. But hockey is really, yeah, that's one of those two where, you know, there's just so I I I was looking a lot at Mario Lemieux stuff because there's so much emphasis on Gretzky, but Lemieux was just so dominant, you know. It, yes. And and then when I talk to hockey people, they're like, Yeah, I mean, if Lemieux wasn't injured as much as he was, he probably would have better stats yeah. than Gretzky. So you look at I think Gretzky played like 500 more games or some some dramatic difference in games, you know, not to take away from Gretzky, obviously, no, of but but Lemieux is one of those guys where I was like, man, that that's a guy I would like to get into on the hockey side. So Lemieux, I'll get Lemieux, Lemieux and bossy careers cut short. That could have been on that level of greatness. Yeah. Sure. So, but then the other thing is like the Sergei Fedorovs. If I go back to like when I was younger, that a lot of that stuff was overprinted. So it's like, yes. I need to, it's kind yeah. of that same, it's, it's in that same world as, you know, Shack rookies and stuff you know so i just need to kind of pick my spots it's on the list though i need i i do want to get some nice hockey stuff it's a fun it's a, it's a fun journey for sure and you're right i mean it most of that stuff from like the 90s across the board is is overprinted and it's almost a it's i mean across the board in, in all of the sports there were some key rookies and that's what generated all that hype to begin with and unfortunately now we're you know in a place where or maybe fortunately we're in a place where those cards are relatively inexpensive you know like it, you can and get actually, a Martin Brodeur PSA 10 for like $200 and he's arguably the greatest goalie of all time. Do you know, like that's, it's yeah. crazy when you think about it, if you, if you actually break it down and, and I mean, a population on them is not outrageous. It's not like Luka Doncic uh, base level. It's not even remotely close. Right. So we talk about junk wax. A lot of those cards were, were thrown into shoe boxes. A lot of those cards were, you know, maybe even thrown into a binder, like grading was non-existent. So I, they're definitely, condition sensitive yeah i'm actually probably just thinking on that because i do collect a lot of hall of fame auto type stuff i would probably be more likely to get like a nice lemieux like on card autograph of yeah some sort. i'd have to dig into that world and see like which sets and all that stuff but um i'd probably be more likely because even like i've got like nascar you know i've got like richard petty like that's cool you know fire suit you know game you know race used with like on card auto and the stuff is a fraction i mean it's like it's so inexpensive and this is these are like the goats of nascar yeah you know what I mean? but dale earnhardt jr or uh senior type stuff you know um so yeah i'll that's probably if i'm being honest where i would start with hockey is trying to find especially if we're looking at downturn in pricing 2023 is okay are those autos coming down on on really key people I've got some Lemieux autos to show you, Dustin. I'll, I'll slide in your DMs. All right. Yeah, do it, please. So before we get a chance, before we uh, we take off, I want to give you the floor and give you an opportunity to not only you know plug yourself, but uh, yeah, where can we find you? Um, go for it. Cool. Yeah, um, my YouTube channel is the Sports Car Dad. I'm on IG, trying to build the the old IG. So if you're on there. Um, and that's where I also share a lot of my pickups and things like that, or send me a DM there um, at sports card dad. And then I'm also on Twitter as well. Uh, usually just tweeting obscenities after the saints blow another large lead to lose a game. So yeah, I'm sports card dad on Twitter. <laughs> that's awesome. I want to thank you uh, for both of us for taking the time to sit down and, and discuss your journey as well as uh, giving us some awesome insight into 
your everyday life and, and your channel. So thank you so much for coming. And uh, I hope uh, all of our listeners enjoyed this episode. For now, cardboard coaches are out of here. Take care, everybody. Peace. Thanks, guys.